Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Mark Westcott here with Juanita Maiden again. Hi, Juanita. How are you going? Hi, Mark. Very well. How is everyone? Well, I hope they're, I hope they're all good <laughs> because, because we are. <laughs> and soon the borders will be open, we hope. Indeed. <laughs> so, um, hey, look, I just wanted to start off uh, today, if I may. Uh, I, I got an email this week from um, uh, an anonymous person, let's say, from New South Wales. It's the biggest state, so we'll say that. So do you mind if I just read this email? And you know, I just sure. want to spend a minute minute on this. I am the daughter of a third-generation farming setup who returned to the area in my 20s with my farming husband. Now in our early 40s, we have bought our own farm and established our own successful contracting business. It was always presumed my brother would take over everything on the family farm. My sister and I have had to push to be featured in the will in any form, and he has run the entire process of succession trying to keep us all out of it. That's the, the brother. He now continues to use the home block and my parents is backing, guarantors, to finance his empire building and he's buying farm after farm, leveraged off mum and dad's block. We would like to expand our farm to improve our economy of scale, but can't get enough backing behind us. It's frustrating and has already created friction. We were all good mates in our early 20s, but now we really struggle to meet up for family occasions. It's sad already and no one's even died yet. That was a, an email I received uh, yesterday or the day before. And, yeah, wow. Uh, it just broke my heart. Uh, and, mm. and yet um, I've had two more conversations in the last 24 hours in regard to situations which were pretty much exactly the same. Um, what, what causes this, Juanita? You know, what, what do you think causes this friction in families? I think at the very start, a lack of communication, uh, a lack of communicating um, expectations and and uh, desires for the future and, and having those sort of discussions within the family generation. Because, you know, it may be well that the different generations don't even know what the other, the other are thinking, you know, the different family members in that example you gave. So I think at the very heart of it, it comes back to, to communication. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, as you know, I did some research a year ago and I looked back over all our clients over the last, <clears throat> excuse me, three, four years. And the, the common thing wasn't, the succession planning wasn't the primary issue with the families. It was, well, I mean, it was the, the result, but the primary issues with every family but one in those last five years was uh, family conflict communication issues caused mainly by by communication issues and um, you know I was just talking to you before we, we started about another family <clears throat> another family I know where three boys mum dad three boys and um, uh, you know a, a lot of money involved in the value of the properties and so on and uh, uh, you know they're trying to help one of the boys because they need someone to come and they're, they're at a stage where they want to retire they want one of the boys to come back on the farm, so they're giving him an absolute leg up, which is which is fine to a point. Um, but it's all being done without proper tax, legal advice, and succession planning advice, mm -hmm. and it's just it's drawn a, a, a absolute chasm between all the um, the siblings. And once again, no one's very much like that letter I got. No one's died, but now the brothers aren't talking to each other. 
Uh, and and it's just when mum and dad die, it's it's going to be a dogfight. It's gonna probably going to get worse. One and all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, yeah, even before mum and dad die, it's going to get worse, and there's uh, and there's going to be some real issues. So and we mm, we often talk about. Yeah, we often talk about how um, a lot of these situations we see go so pear shaped after after one's death. But you know, the examples you're giving there just show it can it can be even more pear shaped and sad. You know, when when people are still alive and and when things haven't been um, handled as best they could. No one's perfect, but um, you know, sure. in those situations, there's there's ways that you can get support. Well, I'll I'll, I'll touch on another one. So uh, Leanne and I did a, a webinar yesterday. And one of the people we, we talked to following up from that webinar, uh, interesting, four, uh, four kids, two working on the farm, and uh, the marriages are now playing into um, creating absolute tension between all the, the kids. You know, one of the, one of the kids, and I mean, I'll just say this because you don't know who I'm talking about, but one of the kids is married to a narcissist. Um, the son with her now has three children. Uh, the daughter-in-law won't let the kids see mum and the, the grandparents or their cousins, and it's just, you know, it's just control control games and, and all this sort of stuff. But it's creating real issues in regard to uh, conflict between not just the generations, but between the siblings as well. And what was really uncovered, which is is uh, why I'm glad we do what we do, was that there was no testamentary trusts involved in any of the wills that mum and dad have, and uh, you know, when you've got issues where you're concerned about if, if mum and dad were to be hit by the bus last night, so to speak, and you don't want money to, to go to one of the sons-in-law, daughters-in-law or whatever, um, this is the sort of planning that, that's so valuable, so necessary. And uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, these people have been to two lawyers in the last 10 years and neither of the lawyers have put uh, testamentary trusts in the estate planning process knowing that there's a real issue that you know potentially the son and and um, and this daughter-in-law they're, they're going to split at some stage and potentially take a whole slice of the, um, the family pie with her so all, all these issues about protection and so on and look I, I, yep. I created a um, you know this probably leads perfectly into what we're, we were going to talk about today and that's a, a tool a scorecard I created some time ago called the uh, the intergenerational conflict matrix. And I just want to go through each of these uh, eight eight topics here. I had to count them. <laughs> I couldn't remember how many, how many questions work. I'd put down <laughs> quickly. Two, four, six, eight. Correct. Um, but look, but look, the first one. So, so let's just talk about this while we're while we're here today. I think this is a worthwhile conversation because uh, and, and people that are watching this, I, I urge you just uh, on a piece of paper or whatever, just score yourself in. In each for each of these eight eight questions, uh, you know, on a scale of one to ten, uh, sorry, one to twelve. Uh, so you know, one to three bad, four to six is fair. If you think you're in a good position, maybe seven to nine, you'd give yourself. And if you think you've absolutely nailed this, somewhere between a ten and a twelve points for each of the questions. So, so the first one is uh, uh, if you can't see the, the screen properly, the first one is family generational communication issues, which is what we're talking about. Uh, description is the level of conversation and openness between the generations, the willingness to discuss the issues around estate and succession plans between the parents and the children. And, and all the people I'm talking about 
so far today are going to get a one. But uh, what what thoughts? Yeah. You, you've had a look at this, Vanessa. Tell me your thoughts yeah. on this. I think, to be fair, there wouldn't be too many families that would mark themselves in the excellent column from my experience. Um, you know, we've spoken about the importance of, of opening this communication um, before and that, yes, it's we, we get it's not on the top of everyone's favourite dinner table conversation and, and um, you know, having a, a, a chat about these sort of things um, socially, but it is just certainly so important just to get that, that uh, communication started. The more the better and it just helps the process and helps, helps a lot of issues get resolved or prevented. Look, look, absolutely, and um, and even you know in the past when I've seen uh, families where they'll they'll say they do have these conversations with the kids, uh, it's one of those areas where, and I'm not saying this to push what I do, but the the fact of the matter is, if mum and dad are leading the conversation with the kids, the, the kids, as much as they may make some comments and contributions and so on. It's going to be a lot of times they're just sitting quietly in the corner, not saying what they really think, at at fear of offending mum and dad. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair, and um, I, I suppose that comes with some life experiences too. But maybe um, fearful of what they think, or not wanting to upset the apple cart, or speak in front of their mm. siblings. But I think, do you, sure. do you find Mark that often the older generation? Um, finds it difficult to speaking about these things too, just because of the the way they've been brought up through no you know no bad reason. But often it, you know again it's it's probably not something that they spoke about with their parents, and it's a bit of a flow on effect. It's a it's a a new concept as such with this generation. Yeah, it's genetic. Uh, it's genetically transferred. The, <laughs> the grandparents yeah. didn't the grandparents didn't talk about it, so now the parents. No aren't used to having that sort of open conversation with people. And there's, no, there's absolutely no doubt that, you know, the levels of communication these days between people is much higher than, than it used to be. People used to just sit back and... And and, and the other thing is, too, it, it can be seen as, as having expectation or entitlement if you start talking about this as a child to the parent. It, mm. it can be seen that they're coming to the parent saying, well, you know, what am I going to get out of this? Um, Whereas it, the, really the intention on all parties is, is about gratitude. But, um, but but you're absolutely right. It's just one of those things that um, maybe the generation that are, are at that stage where they're looking at handing down to the kids just aren't used to having this sort of conversation. And I guess that's where, you know, people like us facilitating the process uh, is so valuable because, you know, I've always found you can't solve these problems from within the family. You've got to get someone from the outside to have individual chats with mum and dad first, then each of the kids. And I always find I find out the truth. Kids kids to me, and by kids, I mean they can be 40 or 50 years of age, but, I mean, kids to me always turn up with manners and truth. Um, and that doesn't always happen in family, family meetings. But mm. enough on that. Let's go through to number two. Uh, the second one is a communicated plan for business ownership. Mm. And this is going a bit deeper, and I guess this is saying... Let's talk about, uh, from a communication point of view, what's the level to which a fully documented and discussed plan for the transition of the business between the generations has been established? Uh, and I've, I've referred mm -hmm. to this as finding, finding a unicorn before, but what, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. here? Well, I think particularly, I mean, there's so many aspects to this, particularly when not all children are involved in the business. That adds another um, layer of complexity. 
Um, sometimes it might be that children don't know if they want to stay in the family business forever, but they want to give it a go. So, you know, that that um, time frame needs to be accounted for and, and how people feel about that. Uh, I think it's often the case that, um, that the, the child will come in and work in the business, but there isn't that that real nitty-gritty conversation as to what that means um, as far as when and in what process and how much it will cost and, you know, to, to, to get more involved in that business. So, um, yes, definitely it's, it's a particular type of conversation that's very relevant when you have that family business. Look, there's a, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, which I shouldn't have done, I should have just been listening to you, but I was thinking ahead and thinking a lot of these issues too, are when, when you think about it, parents, especially on grazing farms, mm -hmm. uh, grazing properties, farms, whatever, um, most of them want to die with their boots on, don't they? So they're not in a hurry to hand the farm over. Um, mm. So they probably don't discuss a transition plan because, one, because they don't know how to start the conversation and all those reasons, but maybe they're just not ready and, and they're just hoping that they can stay there longer and longer and longer and the sons or daughters, whatever, will just, you know, dutifully sit back and, and, uh, and hang about, you know, waiting for, for one day. So to speak for, yeah uh, yeah and what does it mean for the child that wants to stay in the business you know what what do they need to um to prepare for and and put themselves in the position to to be able to transition but probably more importantly what does it mean for the the children that don't because a lot of wealth these days is tied up in property uh so if if the pro all the all the wealth is in the property in the business how do you separate that to to um, provide for the other children that you want to, they don't want to be in that business. And that's all part of that that thought process in uh, documenting and planning for that transition of business ownership. Absolutely. Look, I'll just say too, I've, I've noticed a couple of people have liked what we've been talking about. Anybody wants to make a comment or ask a question, please on Facebook, please just go in and uh, uh, put a question in underneath the uh, live stream and uh, if we see it come up, we'll We'll certainly try and answer it for you. That's a good sign if we've got some likes. It's better to have thumbs up than thumbs down, isn't it? We're going, we're so off far. to a good start. <laughs> so far, so far. <laughs> so far. Look, the, the second question probably leads perfectly into the third. Procrastination based around time, cost and complexity of succession conversation. So around the perceived level of simplicity or complexity, yeah. cost, you know, how do you make it cost effective and uh, briskness? Um, and so on and, and uh, your thoughts here yeah I, we've discussed um previously like as i just said not long ago it's not high on everyone's list to start with so procrastination is also because it's just not it's not fun to a lot of people to to talk <laughs> about it um it's a unfortunate necessity i suppose um it doesn't have to be hard uh so as far as complexity goes uh if you have a good advisor, then it does. It just does not have to be hard. If you're clear on what the process will be, on what the cost will be, uh, what the time frame will be, and all those things, you should know straight up. If you if you don't know that from the first time you, you know, you meet your advisors and talk about this, then you've got every right to ask. So, um, I sure. I think some people have bad experiences before, but um, really. Uh, I, those things are things that shouldn't have to be so. Like it shouldn't have to be over complex, or um, you know, you should be able to see the value in, in what you want and get the choice to choice to make decisions based on on that knowledge. So, uh, 
I guess procrastination. Um, Do you want to think about I, that? Well, yeah, I'll procrastinate. That was my joke um, for the day. Yeah, I, I, I think with the right advisors, it's a worry that you shouldn't need to have. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about the conversation I had yesterday with uh, these people down south and, um, uh, you know, they've had two bad experiences and bad results from uh, people that they've seen in the past. So to them, this has now become very complex, very costly, and it's taking forever to get it solved. So mm. there's really something to be to be said there for making sure you uh, you look for testimonials for people that have uh, they've worked with in the past and uh, and see what sort of um, results that advisors, so to speak, in this area have achieved for their uh, for their clients, uh, for their cl mm. clients. Uh, next one: requirements of fairness versus equality in estate matters. So mm. thoughts? Well, we 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 know that fair doesn't always mean equal. Equal doesn't always mean fair, and um, this is a real tough one for often for clients to get their their head around because you know do do you just leave an estate equally between the children, um, or your not necessarily children, your relatives, your family, your neighbours, whoever you want to leave your estate to? Mm. But um, obviously, different people have different needs. Different um, beneficiaries have done things for you, so. Um, it's really, it's really a thought process as to what you want to achieve with your estate planning. But I think the bottom line, um, as we often say, Mark, is fair doesn't necessarily mean equal. So there's lots of uh, lots of different things that can come into play there. And of course, then the whole um, you know aspect that that we have touched on about potential estate litigation becoming a, a huge um, growth area. Um, you know that's that's relevant there too and deciding how an estate's left. Absolutely. And uh, we've dealt with plenty of clients in the past where uh, one person may have been involved in the business for 10, 15, 20 years. The other two siblings have been off, as I throw away sometimes, backpacking around Europe and having a great time. Uh, and, and when they come home and say, well, okay, you know, what's in it for me? Uh, it, it wouldn't be fair if uh, the estate was divided in three uh, or that whoever was taking over the business uh, was still accountable to their other two siblings. So, you know, you've got a whole range of issues here. It's not just about quantum in regard to, you mm. know, what's fair from a quantum point of view. It's making sure that uh, you don't force children to have to work together uh, as much as you, you know, the idea of, oh, I want yeah. all my kids to work together and take over my business. That just never works. So, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time. So you've got to create independence and make sure that if you do leave one kid with the farm, you, uh, you're you not hamstringing them by by uh, restrictions that the other siblings or power they may have over his decision make or her decision making. Yeah, you just want your children to, to move on and be able to live their own lives. And, and also different children... Beneficiaries have different needs, such as different medical needs. They may have sure. um, dependents that are that are dependent on them. So all sorts of other little things too. It's not just about you know who's who's stayed on the farm and who's gone backpacking. Um, you know each teach to their own. Sure. But um, there's, there's you know other personal <laughs> aspects too. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for backpacking. <laughs> Good on you. Um, okay, the next one is effectively and currently structured. Uh, documentation and that's really what we call I refer to this many many times as uh, be sure you don't have delinquent documents 
yeah. uh, those that are out of date and uh, not relevant anymore. And uh, for most people, that's probably their wills that were done 10, 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, having a, having a method of checking up on those and uh, so just asking people how would they rate themselves in regard to, you know, what audit do you do? And that's part of your due diligence is obviously checking all these mm. sorts of things, but, but making sure your documents are up to date. I can see you That's asking right. to say something. Uh, I think the key question is here, when did you last review them? Um, so yep. if, if you haven't reviewed them for 20 years and they're gathering dust in the, in the bottom drawer of your desk, then you are going to get a one. For, for that but um you know hopefully you know re you review them every couple of years uh or on uh, significant changes or events it may be that you don't need to um change them but they should be reviewed and as you point oh, out there it's a absolutely. suite of documentation it's not just a will so do you have those uh different types of documents that we spoke about in a previous session um wills yep. dream powers of attorney uh binding death benefit nominations uh, deeds for trusts, etc. So, do you have all the relevant suite of documents to your um, your scenario? Yeah, ab absolutely. And uh, a great way to to check those is to do a due diligence report, which you guys certainly do. And uh, and and look, if if everything's fine, even if they're ten years old and they're perfectly good still, well, at least you've got peace of mind of knowing that uh, everything's going to be okay instead of mm. wondering. Mm. Uh, next one, intergenerational conflict. And uh, look, this, this comes in all sorts of forms and we've probably talked about this already today, but mm. that, that is a measure. And that's what I'm asking people to do here is to say, you know, how is the communication between the grandparents, the parents, the kids, grandkids? Uh, you know, uh, is, is there any intergenerational conflict? And 99, well, I'll say 95 times out of 100 there is, isn't it? Yes, there is. Yeah. And I think it's important to realise that, that different generations just, just may have different views on values and wealth and business and succession. And that, that's not right or wrong. It's just a fact. So, um, and, you know, that potentially will cause that intergenerational conflict. Yeah. And look, there's only one thing that solves it, and that's conversations and uh, mm. communication. And, uh, and sometimes, once again, sometimes you need someone from outside the family to come along and start the conversation because it's no one's fault. Uh, I mean, if that's yeah. the way you were brought up not to talk about stuff, then it's not your fault. It's just... It is what just, it is. Yeah. It, it's who you are and it's the way you've, uh, you've, you've learned to deal with things. But, uh, you know, just saying in days that we're in now, you need to open up the lines of communication because people of the, the next generation need to be able to make their choices too. And if they're not game to talk to mum and dad and they can't see what the future is it's very hard to uh, uh to to not have some form of conflict and conflict doesn't mean that people are up there fighting each other or you know with fisticuffs or bloody headlocks it just means that sometimes conflict can be silence uh it, it can be lack of uh you know it can be people withdrawing not talking moving to the city it can be a whole range of different things yeah next yep. one that's uh very important to me is the uh what i was referring to before with the uh, uh, a narcissistic daughter-in-law was protecting assets, protecting wealth and protecting intergenerational prosperity because I haven't, I'm yet to meet anyone uh, that works their, their backside off for, for their life uh, out of their generosity and their, their uh, uh, want, they, they hand it down to their children. I haven't met anyone yet that wants uh, any failed marriages to walk away with uh, you know, a few million dollars of their hard-earned money just uh, because 
proper planning wasn't done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, one of the interesting things here um, in this section, Mark, is that uh, people people probably don't know what they don't know and don't know what they can do to protect against scenarios. But of course, you know, we, we, we've listed there some of the um, not pleasant scenarios like um, relationship breakdowns and bankruptcy, et cetera. Sure. But the, the early death of family members is an interesting one because um, the, the, the scenario there is if you left your wealth to your, um, let's say son, for example, um, yep. had a wonderful marriage, um, doing great, but died sure. died young, unfortunately and accidentally, it would be almost not unusual for to expect that he would leave his wealth to his children to his family. So all of a sudden, that that family wealth has gone sideways, um, and that that young spouse might might remarry, might have another blended family, as they have every right if their if their spouse died young. Sure. So um, that's just a, a a life situation where that you know you might see a family's bloodline go out of the bloodline, the wealth go out of the bloodline for not a bad or unfortunate. Well, of course it's a bad or unfortunate situation, but um, you know nothing, uh, not like a bankruptcy or a a divorce, but just um, an unexpected happening, and by providing look, look, those absolutely. structures, yeah, those structures, we can we can um, give some asset protection around that for those scenarios that you don't ever want to think about. Look, absolutely, and it, and it's not so much if you know Johnny, as you're talking about the son, if Johnny's you know happy marriage and there's three kids and everybody's going along swimmingly and there's a great relationship and the daughter-in-law, you know, and the parents get on really well. Uh, you know, it's, no one's saying don't look after that person. But I mean, if, if suddenly you dump five million dollars, uh, you know, into her hands and it's not done properly, there's, there's a chance that eventually she's going to remarry and she might remarry someone with five kids. And that's the that's the issue. It's then all the stepkids right. and uh, and so on. When you know, for most people, and it doesn't have to be. We're not dictating or judging. But I mean, mm. for most people, they'd want their wealth to eventually go down. To their grandchildren, not to, their to someone else's. Yeah. yeah, not to someone yeah. else's uh, uh, children that have come along. So mm. it's uh, it's a matter of, and, and you're right, the unknown unknowns. Most people don't understand how this works, how they need to be protected, and what they can do to protect themselves. And I think the important thing here is knowing your options and then making an informed yeah. decision. Everyone's situation is different. So absolutely right. Um, final one is uh, how would you rate yourself in regard to issues around control? experience and uh, and delegation you know when's when's the time for the patriarch or matriarch to hand control decision making um, to the next generation in some or all areas of the business and we talk about we're talking with clients so you know just bit by bit you know if you're finding it hard to let go of the reins and you know if you let's say you still want to die with your boots on and be involved you know over time you're not going to be able to do all the physical things the way you used to be able to do them but so what are some of the things you can let go, some of the decision-making you can let go uh, early in the piece to, um, uh, to to sort of work towards uh, the eventual transition? How would this you sort of circles, circles back up to the top, doesn't it, Mark? It's all about that, <laughs> that communication all and that communication to plan. Yeah, yeah. And this is something you would see all the time, I would imagine, in your travels market, something that would be um, hugely common, I would I would guess. Look, absolutely. And, you know, the truth is when I put this form together, uh, I was really at, at ends as to whether to call it the intergenerational communication matrix or the intergenerational conflict matrix because mm. 
you know, that's yin and yang in some ways. It's, it's because of the lack of conflict, uh, sorry, it's because of the lack of communication that the conflict exists. So, you know, conflict comes up in all eight areas here uh, because of communication. And it's just a matter of, you know, how do you, uh, how, do, how do we help people? And that's, that's the point, I guess, is, is you know, it, I'm going to tell you right now, whoever's watching this and looking at the scorecard here, if you're scoring one to threes, you know, maximum four to sixes, you're normal. You're absolutely normal. Please don't, absolutely. Please, absolutely. Please don't feel that, that we're not having a go or judging you here because, you know, uh, most people that I've met over 30 odd years of doing this uh, would score themselves one to three in just about every area here. And, and it's very normal. So, you know, the point we're trying to do here by highlighting these issues is say, well, Okay, you, you can never make progress in life until you tell the truth and draw a line in the sand. And so you have to sort of say, okay, you know, this is where we are and it's okay. Just, mm. You know, most of the population or more are, are in the same boat. But at least then if you identify them, you can say, okay, now, how do we start the communication? How do we, how do we eliminate the conflict? How do we create family harmony? And, and it, a lot of times it just starts because people don't know where to start, who to talk to, how to do it. They don't know the unknown. They don't know what they don't know, and so no, nothing happens. And uh, you know that's mm. a great joy. You know, you and I would get Juanita is that when you we get the opportunity to speak to people about stuff like this is is being able to transition them from you know from the first column to the end column, and that's the greatest joy I get in my life is being able to create that peace of mind for for people by helping them to move move across the page. Yeah, and I think it's a really, um, a, a, this matrix is a great way of just turning your mind to uh, once you see that current score and, and as you said, Mark, totally, totally normal to see most people in the first two columns um, mm. to get to where you want. What little areas there that can you nail, can you drill down on to, to help move, you know, move across and help things move in a positive manner? Yeah, and, and the most obvious thing in life is that, you know, Often uh, we can't see things ourselves. We don't know how to fix them ourselves because it's not what we do. You know, uh, you, you need someone else to come in from outside who who can see things more clearly than you can see when you're in it yourself, and also someone who's got some experience and knows how to help you make that that transition and that transformation. So, yeah, well, I've seen similar situations many times before and can use that experience to to help the process. Uh, ab absolutely, absolutely. Juanita, thanks. I've, uh, that's, I can't believe the half hour's up already, but thank you. Uh, thanks for the conversation today. Thanks, Mark. Uh, no, no one, they must have been all paying attention because there's no comments now. <laughs> <to the side. laughs> well, you must have been explaining it perfectly, so thank Let's you. Let's hope anyway, so. Great to We chat. look forward to uh, catching up again next week, everybody, and thanks, Juanita. Appreciate it. Thank you.